0: You only get into, out of the game what you put into it, Shirley.
1: hmm
0: And I put everything into it, I could, and still do, for the people and for the people that I was playing for and the people that I was manager for. I didn't cheat them out of anything. So I put all my heart and
2: soul to the extent that my family suffered. Do you regret that at oh, all?
0: Yeah, I regret, oh, I regret it very much, yeah. Somebody said the football's a matter of life and death to you. I said, listen, it's more important than that.
3: Welcome to Man Marking, pre-match analysis for Series 3. As usual, I've got Ryan and Ant in here with me. Lads, how are we keeping? Um, I'm absolutely spot on, mate. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. Very excited to get Series 3 kicked off. As uh, as with the other two series, we've got some some brilliant people to be speaking to. Ant,
0: what about you? Are you excited, mate? I'm, a, I'm like Republica, ready to go.
3: One for the teenagers there. Wow. Very good, mate. Very good. So, coming up in Series 3, our interviews include, and I would like a little (sighs) after them from you two, please. So, in Episode 1, we've got Dave Bolton. (sighs) Episode 2 is Opening Up Cricket. Episode 3, Mike Kinsella. Episode 4 is Chris Uolumo. Hey. Episode 5 is Gally Suter.
1: Hey.
3: And episode 6 We are finishing with a big one It's Johnny Sharples
1: hey. hey. Yay.
3: Yay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, And we should also mention at this point That we will be introducing a slightly different format And some new sort of Type of episodes Into series 3 So the interviews are going to be weekly So they'll be every Monday there will still be shows on a Thursday, but they will be in a slightly different format. But just going back to the guests that we've got for Series Three, lads, and I'm going to start with you, Ants. Who are you most looking forward to? And please don't say opening up cricket because it would be terribly predictable.
0: Okay, uh, I'm looking forward to opening up cricket, Dan. Yeah, <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, I'm looking
0: forward to all of them. Um, I just want to put like a disclaimer out on on Dave Bolton's because his his story is. Just incredible and I think when when I was interviewing I, I when he was telling me the stories that he'd gone through and the, the trials and, and all the tests in his life, I, I couldn't think of any words so my natural reaction was to kind of giggle.
3: I'm a uh, former athlete, uh, ex-military, t- served a tour in Air Ops Iraq, uh, I was a high-flying uh, detective sergeant tackling uh, gun crime in a covert unit with the emergency side police i've survived um being crushed by uh, an articulated lorry and also um came through uh, overcome cancer twice and i'm currently outliving a terminal cancer diagnosis presently um
0: <laughs> which was more nerves than anything because i didn't know what words to use but um yeah i think his is probably the one that that i'm probably most looking
3: forward to hearing back again and ryan what about you
1: and um, there was there was loads of brilliant ones wasn't it but i really really enjoyed chris and um, if it wasn't that he had something else on that day then i think we probably would have done about a 10-hour interview <laughs> he was just absolutely spot on wasn't he And
3: right do you want me just to answer your question or do you want me to just rabble on because i do i talk for fun mate so basically (laughs) if you ask one question i'll probably get through the full one section without taking a breath but i'll just if uh yeah just carry on i see you just pop in and just uh interrupt me at any time big man
1: big character but, but did go through some really tough times which people hear about and just frankly once again taken back by his honesty yeah, really was. It was brilliant, mate. And as Ant touched on Dave Bolton's story is one of those that I can't do justice trying to tell you what it was like. You've just got to listen to it. And again with Dave, I, I think we got off the call to him, and we all we, we sort of agreed that there was still some things he didn't get through. So whether we'll have him back, um, or or we'll maybe just have to fill in the blanks for some people, it was just like if it was in a book, you, you just wouldn't think it was real, um. Uh, but, but it
3: was, and what an inspirational guy. Yeah, I agree. I think one person that's, that I'm looking forward to, to listening back, because I remember it was such an interesting discussion, was Gary Suter. So Gary is a, a nurse who's currently studying his uh, his PhD, and he's, he's writing his thesis, uh, which is about mental health and football. And he's spoken to, I think it was about 20, current football league players about their experiences of, of mental health within football. So... In terms of what we're doing and what he, what he's been doing, it, it's it's lined up really nicely. So that was a very interesting discussion.
2: Well, we you might see the the, the number one in four banded about. So it's a, a suggestion that one in four of the population will experience a mental health issue at some point in their life, and in some cases, that's one in three. And I, personally, I prefer the, the one in three scenario. Um, and again, you go into a football world, and I I don't know if it's the case of football creates mental health issues or it's men going already having or already being predisposed to these mental health issues who then go into football and then that just makes it worse. So I mentioned before about a, a goalkeeper with anxiety issues. He talks about having anxiety growing up before he even got into first-team football. So it might be that if he never played football, he might have struggled with anxiety anyway, but you put him in that kind of cut-out industry and potentially
3: it could just make it worse. Mike Seller. Obviously the, the head of uh, youth development at the, at the Tranmere College has uh, infamously been to, to prison four times. And, after, and
1: like it is it, all when I was in jail, it, on the last, last prison sentence what I wanted to do more or less, one of them epitomies or whatever they're called, yeah. so I never believed in anything like that. But I'll say this, on um, when I was in, in prison in Holland... Um, <laughs> Absolute dive of a jail by the way, <laughs>
0: well, make
3: sure not to visit
0: it. <laughs> it, was, it
1: Is it was on a oh, <laughs> I haven't, I haven't Prison look it up. <laughs> to go in and have a look. One shower a week, one meal a day. Oh, yeah. oh it was mental, but he weren't small stretches either, so what what a story he had to tell.
3: Yeah, I, I, absolutely it was one of those um he's one of those guys really who's you know, his, his, his early years were so promising in terms of football and then his his, his life took a different turn and he's managed to, still from that, you know, grind himself out a, a really a, a really impressive living in, in, in what he does and, and how he helps his, the, the people at Tramia. And obviously we're finishing with, with Johnny Sharples. And obviously for you, it's uh, being a football manager savant yourself. Speaking to Johnny Sharples was a was a lovely lovely evening spent, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, no, he was uh, he was really interesting, wasn't he? It was, um, you know, a lot of uh, there was a lot of football manager talk at the end. I think you're going to have to edit out
3: about half an hour of
0: that. But um, <laughs> the funniest
3: one is the Sunderland sacking Pep Guardiola as manager and hiding Jay Spearing as his. <laughs> <laughs>
1: they, um, Guardiola had a really weird career, so I think it was him and. Mourinho wanted to get a one to get the job so say one got say Guardiola got the Manchester United job and then he'd get sacked or quit and then Mourinho would get it and say Guardiola then went to Bayern Munich and he'd get sacked and Mourinho would then go to Bayern Munich but it happened about five or six times that Mourinho, that Guardiola would get a job and then when he left Mourinho would be his replacement so it's like he was just stalking him around <laughs> trying to constantly prove that he was better than Guardiola. Um, there
0: was there was a lot of good stories and his stories as well as is, is really touching and really you know it's quite heartbreaking at times but um you know i think if anyone who does follow uh johnny sharples on twitter will know he's a very funny person and and as as you social media for what i would think is it's meant to be for
3: and uh, i was i was a little bit uh, a little bit rude should we say about cricket in the in the open exchanges but Mark from from opening up cricket came on and and, and was really interesting and they're a, a very interesting organisation aren't they, Ant?
0: Yeah, definitely, and I think you know we wanted to branch out a little bit to a couple of different sports, um, and cricket for me is is something that I play. Someone's probably listening, going, "You don't play very well," but um, <laughs> it, it was definitely a it, it definitely a good thing, and, and it was also nice to try and explain what it is to to, to you two and how. It kind of works mentally as well, how difficult it can be. Um, so that was quite that was quite fun.
2: Uh, it, it does, yeah. For the professional players, I would say that the PCA, the Professional Cricketers Association, the equivalent of their, their professional body they're a bit like a trade union, but it's the, the players' um, group that, that they're all members of. I, I would go as far to say that the work that they do is, is world-leading in terms of what they provide for their athletes. They have um, a suite of things that they provide to them from academy stage to so before they're professionals throughout their playing career. And crucially, even when they're no longer contracted to a county, uh, I've done some work with them and, and know a lot of the, uh, the development managers there who work with the different counties and players. And they'll have contact with people who have long since retired but still have the ability to to tap into the resources they have and one of their pillars that they base their work on is on welfare and within welfare we have of course mental health and other things around um providing them with education around um the dangers of gambling alcohol drugs or anything you can think of so they have that available to them
0: uh, and I, it, it, there's a lot of similarities and then there's a lot of differences as well so you know the changing rooms are different and then even the the games especially different, you know. I can't tell you the amount of times I stood in stood in the field and thought, why am I here for eight hours of this day? <laughs> um so yeah, it's a really, really interesting listen and, and this the work that they're doing as well with all the clubs around round here is, is really, really good and really commendable and and they're getting a name out there. And I think they've linked up recently with um I think they linked up with with the Barney Army as well, I think pretty sure i saw something on that on the socials i could be wrong but um that's that's just a sign of of how big they're growing and how how well they're doing yeah i must say
1: on that dan as well um i'm similar to you i'm one of them annoying fair weather fans where i don't watch cricket or even rugby but then when a big tournament comes along in england they're playing you get roped into it and drawn into it because the excitement and then you find yourself thinking this is actually really good, um, but I must say it's only when there's like a World Cup that comes along, and obviously we had that amazing success in the cricket. So I can see the popularity and that just booming as well off the back of it. But for us, I think it was important to see the differences in the both team sports, but how they deal with these the same issues. Uh, because they're still taking ordinary people off the streets and in the local communities and providing them a a hub and a support network. So what are they doing and one thing I found is football is like years ahead of any other sport in this country in terms of popularity, finances, wealth and all that comes along with it. But in some aspects, it was actually behind the good work that's been achieved off the pitch, whether that's at grassroots or professional level. So they open up cricket at one, um, pardon the pun, sort of opened up my sort of interpretation of what can be achieved. Um, it's very, very interesting that one.
3: Yeah. And as I mentioned at the top, we've we've got some new, new sort of different formats for some of the, the shows that we bring in on on a Thursday. So the interviews from, from one to six will be every Monday, starting with with Dave Bolton this Monday, Monday, the fifteenth of June. And then we'll be having some slightly different shows on a Thursday, which will give some more information out on, on the Twitters. Um as usual, we we'd like feedback. We'd like to hear how people are, are, are enjoying the the shows and what people are getting out of it we've we've had some genuinely really interesting messages from people about how they've resonated with the stories so please do keep them coming and 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 as we always say you find us on the twitter which is at mark and underscore man find us on itunes or whatever else you get your podcasts and we'll see you on monday for dave bolton thanks for listening